one. So absolute pleasure today on Powercast to have a great friend who I recently met uh, traveling the US, uh, Frank Dern Blanken, onto the podcast. So thank you very much for coming on board, Frank. Anytime. Um, so firstly, Frank, just not to pick you up too much. I, I said this to Chris when I came back, uh, Chris Spearman, who we obviously were in the US with as well. You're probably the most impressive person I trained with, like top three, like literally blew my mind when we first trained together because I was so impressed with your technical knowledge um, yeah. and your stability you have in your body in terms of your, your training is, is phenomenal in terms of your scapula and your, your hips. So uh, to firstly to start things off, massive fair play to your technical training ability. Um, Thank you. Before I big you up anymore, I'm going to give you an opportunity <laughs> to give us a bit of a run through of who you are and what you do. So my name is Frank Blanken. I'm a trainer from the Netherlands uh, where I basically do a lot of online coaching and I actually teach personal trainers how to get more knowledge and improve their knowledge about nutrition and training in the Netherlands. And I started doing that about six years ago with my own company and it just grew massively. And uh, yeah, I'm just expanding all over right now. Um, so you've, you've recently been doing a lot of traveling as well. So where, where have you just come back from? Obviously we were in the States together for nearly two weeks. Yeah, so I went to the States, then I went back for Valentine's Day because my wife was still in the Netherlands. Very romantic. Yeah, and then I went to Vegas, I went to Qatar. But like, if you take the last year, I actually made a slide for a webinar recently and it just didn't even fit in the slide in like the 10th font. It was like too long of a list. Like, I went to Bali, I went to Dubai, I went to Valencia, Malaga, Spain, uh, Portugal probably like 12 times to the US from like Miami, Tampa, uh, Vegas a couple of times, San Diego a couple of times, Los Angeles, Hawaii, Canada a couple of times. Man about town. Yeah. <laughs> Nashville. I actually was more out of the country where I live than I in the country. Uh, I'm like, um, I spent almost 200 days in a hotel last year. Thing is though, like people don't understand that it's incredibly difficult and to run a business doing that. Yeah, because it's stressful. Like, I've, yeah. done, I've done some insane stuff. I can actually tell you a funny story. I was at the 10X event in Miami, in uh, Florida, in US, and I was holding a webinar on Wednesday night, and the event was Thursday, Saturday, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And so I wanted to do the webinar, and I go to my hotel room, and I check the internet speed. For, for hosting a stable webinar, you need a 10 bit upload speed. And I was there, and it wasn't that, it was like 9.1 stable. And so I went down to the reception, and I talked to them, okay, do you have a spot where I can get faster Wi-Fi or anything? And she was like, no, it's like a shared spot from, from an entire floor. So the only thing is, if you're alone on the floor, your Wi-Fi will go up. So like, okay, how many people are on my floor? Like, you're the only room right now, but they might sell tonight. So I bought every room, so I bought <laughs> the entire floor just to host my webinar, and I made way more money doing that. So it was actually a funny thing that I literally had to rent out an entire hotel floor just to get enough Wi-Fi <laughs> to do my webinar. So that's the length you go to for perfection and excellence there. And yeah. Sort of statement. Um, so sort of to take things back, Frank, um, like you where you are obviously in the industry and like the amount of people you've managed to help uh, in the Netherlands and like lives have changed is phenomenal. Um, to take things back, how did you first start getting into training and then first get into the fitness industry? So I was about... 13, 14 years old, I was playing basketball. Yeah. And I was pretty tall, but I was pretty skinny. So what they said, okay, you need to gain weight. You need to start doing weight training to actually get strong. Otherwise, they, you will just get pushed around and you won't make it. So I went to the gym. And what I found out is as soon as I started training, I have the genetic capability to get really strong really quickly. So I think I was like 15 and I could already bench press 140 kilos, 315 pounds. 15. Yeah, pretty easy. So, so I got really strong really quickly. Basically, I started doing basketball because of my education. I was studying sports science. Like, it, I was going to Nijmegen for my basketball, and I studied in Harlem. That's about two hours, which is by train difference. So it was un, I was unable to do basketball and do my study at the same time, so I had to give up basketball. So I stopped with that and went full into training. I was like, I got to do something. Let's do weight training because I can do it any time of the week. And so I got really into that. And I met a lot of friends in the gym. They actually were really into that. And we got into bodybuilding and all that kind of stuff. So we got really serious in that. And I think after a year in the gym, I was already so strong that the gym approached me like, can't you just teach us how you got so strong? <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's when I started training. So I was like 15 and I was already a trainer. 
Yes. And then at 16, I got promoted to manager of the gym. Yeah. Because I was doing so well and I helped which, so many people. Uh, the, the only gold gym in the Netherlands. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. It's an accolade in itself. Yeah. So, crazy. and I've done that for uh, 10 years. Yeah. I did that. And I probably trained over 2,000 people there one-on-one in the gym. Did you enjoy training people in that, that manner? Yeah, I loved it. But the only problem I ran into is like, it was more like the money situation. Like the owner of that gym made multiple millions, like hundreds of millions. And basically a team of us helped him get there. Yeah. And we didn't even get like a 1% commission. Yeah. I was like, like I was giving workshops in Germany and I, I know what the profit was that they made on that. I was like, Basically, I'm doing everything and he's taking all the profits and I just get my trainer salary, which yeah. was basically nothing. So I was like, let me just go by myself. I'll probably figure this stuff out. I have no idea how. And I just went all in on my own and it just worked out. Was that a scary uh, scary like moment for you at the time? Yes, it was. I, because like, as a trainer, you don't make that much money like when you're employed. So basically, I had like 500 euros in saving. Like, I got lucky that... My wife right now, who she was then, was my girlfriend. We were living together and she was like, yeah, just go by yourself. I will take care of the rent and everything. And you just start. And so basically I could live because she, played, uh, she uh, paid the rent of the home. And that's how I got started. When I literally in the kitchen table on my laptop, I just got started. Yeah. And I had no idea how to do online training, how to sell people. how to, like, I knew how to write training plans and nutrition plans. Like I've done that for 10 years. But like all kind of marketing stuff and sales stuff, I have no idea how to do. That's crazy. I think that must be very um, rewarding for both of you to maybe for your wife to look back and think how she gave you the opportunity and the foundation to do that. I can see you smiling. Yeah, yeah like the funny part is like yeah, you know, the way around, three, but- three, four years later, I literally retired her from her work. Yeah. She didn't have to work again. Like she's coaching right now because she loves it. Yeah. But she only does what she feels like doing. How did that make you feel at the time? When she retired? Yeah. Yeah, that was so satisfying. Like, because she worked a job which wasn't, like, she was personal assistant from, like, a high-level CEO, which wasn't, like, a good person. She was, like, misusing people. Yeah. And working way too many hours. And I was like, okay, I don't want this. Like, I was literally just grinding daily, like, alone in the kitchen table, like, with one cat. That was like my only social interaction I had on the day and just grind it out just to get there. Yeah. And yeah. That's what people, people don't see. Someone asked me on another podcast, it's like, whether it be business or fitness, like people ask, oh, can you have balance to be successful? It's like, if you want to be super successful, you're going to have to accept there will be no balance at the start. Because- like, if, if you want an honest answer, I probably worked 14 hours a day for six days a week for three years straight with no vacation. Yeah. That's what people don't see. No. all they say is now yeah like for a beginning like for beginner personal trainers I probably when I started doing online coaching from the first 500 sales calls I maybe sold three like I was terrible I had no idea how to sell by somebody nobody already already sold and I just had to get the coaching so I never sold anybody before so I literally had to learn doing that yeah and to learn how to run a business as well which is yeah cool. yeah I made a lot of mistakes with that like, I have no idea about accounting numbers finances I luckily I have a good set of friends that actually helped me out with a lot of stuff. I have no idea. I still have no idea how to do some of those stuff. Yeah. Like I got people doing that stuff. Yeah, that's the key. And um, taking things back to your own training, like what were the biggest mistakes that maybe you made personally, or that you see other people make at the start? Uh, so the biggest, like I'm into reading. I read a lot. Like if I move my camera here, like I got hundreds of books here. Uh, but what I did is when I started training, I went to the bookstore and I found the book of Flex Wheeler, who was a famous bodybuilder. And it was like a biography of him. Was it in English? I, it was an English book, yeah. yeah. And I saw him on YouTube and I was like, that guy looks massive. I want to look just like that. <laughs> so if I get this book, I do his training and I do nutrition, I'm going to look like that. I like like this, the 15-year-old Frank thinking that. So there was a diet plan in there what he was eating. He was like a 300-pound bodybuilder. And I probably was like, like I was 75 kilos, maybe 78. So, yeah. and I ate his diet. I tried it. Like, it was like literally putting it down. And I think it was like 350 grams of protein in it. Yeah. And I tried it down. And like, and I kept, and like, I'm stubborn. I think I did it for three months. And I got all kinds of digestion issues, <laughs> but I did gain weight because like I had so many calories. So I did a lot of those things. I did a bro split for a long time. 
yeah. which I was like, it's not optimal. It works, but it's not the optimal way. I've done that a lot. I did way too much volume. Like I've done workouts where I did like 40, 50 sets for a body part in a single session. What would you say is the optimal training split you, you use yourself or you use with clients now? Like if their goal is from an aesthetic point of view? Probably like a four times a week uh, a split. So you train four times a week, probably an upper lower split. Yeah. That's probably the best one. We have a frequency of uh, training a muscle group twice a week between 10 and 15 work sets per muscle per week. That's probably ideal range where you want to go at. Focus on quality rather than quantity. Yeah. Like that's, I went to a lot of camps for about muscle building hypertrophy because I was really interested in that. And that's the first thing I learned is like the way you control the weight and how you do the exercise makes a lot of difference. Like I know, like I went to Ben Kolsky's muscle camp like years ago when his team was like one of the best in the world. And when I went there, I was really strong. Like I went in there like, okay, let me just get in tip top shape because I'm going to train with the best in the world. I'm going to show you what real training looks like. I could do side lateral races with like 30 kilo dumbbells. Yeah. When I got there, I was like, I'm so strong. They're going to be impressed. And literally Ben made me do side laterals with my hands. I couldn't make 10 reps. <laughs> and I'm like, how? Like my shoulders were burning and swelling up. Like it was crazy. And so that's when I learned, like, like I was swinging a lot. I was yeah. actually using the muscle. Like, yeah. So after that, I could, of course, I could do way more weight. But the way he taught me it, it made it so hard to do. And, like, his team then, he was still a hypertrophic coach. Joe Bennett was still there. Kasim Hansom from M1 Education was still there. Like, he had an insane team at that moment. And, yeah, that was just an insane muscle camp that I went to. Did you work with Ben personally at any point after that? No, I didn't. Okay. No, I just have a few interactions. I did a couple of one-on-one workouts with him. Yeah. But And what I did is, like, uh, during the muscle camp, I was linked up with uh, Mark Anthony, former Mr. Olympia. Yeah. Uh, from Men's Physique. So I worked out the entire time with him because we were at the strength, same level of, like, yeah. strength. So that's why we worked out. And Ben gave us a lot of attention because he wanted Mark to win more shows. Yeah. So that's why I got more interaction with him. That's cool. Other than Ben, who... Who else has had a big influence on, on your training and your your knowledge from that side, like in the trenches as it works? Obviously, Ben is supremely knowledgeable. We're actually going on his yeah. training camp in the few weeks here in the UK. and did his last year as well. Yeah. Uh, so I really like Kesson Hansen that was working with him. Yeah. That guy's insanely smart. Like, he, like Ben taught a lot during the muscle camp, like in on the floor, like the science behind it. Kesson always talked about, like I did a nutrition camp with him. And we were later like, okay, take a break. So we can actually follow you where you're going because that guy's actually too smart sometimes. Uh, Charles Polkman, I learned a lot from. I went to a lot of his things. Like They have a Dutch version of the Charles Polkman education. Yeah. I went to that and there's a guy called Bas Willemsen. He's really good. Um, I learned a lot from GPS education in Australia. Yeah. Uh, Ian King, I learned a lot from... Uh, what else? I've been to so many. Like, what I, one thing that I did that really helped is I booked a lot of one-on-one sessions with famous trainers around the world. I saw some of what I've been doing, to be fair. Yeah. You so, so quickly. Yeah. So that's what I basically, what, I think that's where I learned the most from. It's yeah. just literally like, you have your own problems, which you want to improve that. Yeah. And you just go to a really good trainer that you know from like the internet or you saw them or somewhere. And you go to them like, can you teach me this stuff? And you'll learn so much from that person in one hour that four years of education won't even give you. And also, like, respectively, if you're a trainer like you and me, that's then a gift of knowledge you then have that you can share yeah. and help other people uh, with their journeys as well. Yeah, like, I've learned stuff from Charles Glass that, like, science-based makes no sense. See, that's but, someone on my hit list of, like, top people I want to train with desperately. Literally, if you want to go there, like, um, at least a month before, just ask him. Yeah. And make sure you get his assistant because he's like a nest. <laughs> and then you can get something set up because it's that hard to get a spot with him. Really? And it's like $250 an hour. Yes, that's that'd be the best $250 you'll ever spend. Yeah. Like, it was insane. Like, I did legs with him. Like, I felt muscles that I didn't know that existed. Like, it was so crazy. He was like doing stuff with machines. And I'm like, I didn't even know the machine could do this. <laughs> yeah. If you, um, here's a question for you. If you could train with three people in the world, who would it be? Uh, I want to train with Arnold one time. 
Actually, I knew that'd be one of them. I knew that. And I meet him at the end of March, actually. So that's gonna be fun. Uh, uh, probably The Rock. I want to work out with one yeah, time. That's a good answer. Uh, and let's see who else. I worked on a little famous people already. So uh, first who, one is difficult. Who's the top three people you've trained with so far? Phil Heath. I worked with him a lot. I actually. Uh, Jay Cutler was actually pretty cool. Jay Cutler, I'd love to love to train with him. I'm a big Jay Cutler fanboy. Yeah, like Jay Cutler is so strong and he doesn't even realize it. It's so insane. Like, and that's the first thing. Like, I was in Vegas, I was training, and he did. And I was like, okay, let me just feel how actually how hard this contraction is. It's like it's a brick moving and just hits you. It's just insane. Like he looks like he's throwing the weight. But yeah. the amount of tension he's squeezing with, you cannot even imagine how that feels. Like, you can make a hard bicep and just feel how hard it is. Make that times 100, and that's how hard he is squeezing. It's just insane to feel. So that's something I still, like, to this day, I've never felt anybody else do that. Um, uh, let's see. Chris Bumstead, Chris John Meadows. Uh, well, uh, Brandon Curry, I worked with. Uh, yeah, that's probably like if you go like to at least level, that's probably the insane part. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty illustrious list to be fair. Yeah. Um, did did any moment from training with any of them really blow your mind in particular? Anything that stuck in your head? I mentioned training with Charles Glass, for example. You said he pulled you apart with training legs in different weird angles. I actually, the reason I talked to Charles Glass was actually I was working out in the gold gym, and I don't remember who I was working out with. And I was doing a pull down. And actually, that's probably one of my strongest parts where I'm good at like technical knowledge. And I was doing a pull, a pull down. And he's like the first person ever that came up to me in the gym. And I was like, you could do this way more optimal. And I'm like, okay, really? I'm like, how? <laughs> like, I know who you are. So go ahead, tell me. Yeah, please, so, please tell me. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, sit like this, do this. And they're like, okay, that's really good. <laughs> yeah. Did it make a big difference? Yeah, like it was totally different. So, yeah, that's, that kind of stuff, like, you don't learn. That's more of, like, instinct that people have. It's like, and it's a lot of that comes, I guess, like, experience. It's mileage on the clock. Yeah. And he knows really good, like, there are not three body types, like, endomorph, mesomorph, ectomorph. There are more than that. But he can see certain body types and what exercises were best for that because based on his experience. Mm. And he will know that that stuff works, what he actually is talking about. Like, it's not scientifically proven, but he has seen so many people training with him that he actually knows, like, you could probably do this exercise better. That works better for you. That's an interesting question. What's your... Because, like, I'm always one of those to take everything with a pinch of salt. Like, I'm very much uh, more of a believer of anecdotal evidence of what works rather than a scientific study because so many studies are published, are spun by whoever's created the study or done the research to try and sell you a product. And they're only showing you the one study that produced the results they want to show you. Yeah. So the problem I'm having with studies is like what I noticed, like I, from my study, I, the, when I went to college, I actually had to do an internship at a physical therapy. And I had to train people with like knee problems and stuff like that. And so it was revalidation after they had surgery. And there were a lot of studies done how to train those people. And I was like, why not do weight training certain ways? Because that's way more efficient. But like most physical therapists don't know exercise science and how to do correctly do exercises. They just do a protocol from like how to build strength, how to build muscle on the studio, stuff like that. So I actually did a study during my internship with one of my co-workers who actually was a physical therapist. And I beat him like, I've got it done in four weeks where he took like 12 weeks to do it, to get yeah. it to a certain level. Yeah. And that's the only thing difference is like, I know how to train people. Like I was already doing that for 10 plus years when I was doing that study. So I actually knew how to push for somebody, how to do certain exercises correctly, how to get the most out of it. And that's the problem I think with studies. Like most of the people that are actually training those people are researchers. They're good at getting data. They're not good at getting training. No. That's totally different. So I'm really looking forward to seeing muscle building studies actually done by giving by trainers and just getting the research from researchers. Hmm. That will be way better because there segmenting are of, the two basically. Yeah, because there are a lot of studies done right now where the training is subpar. Like I don't call a full body workout a shoulder press, a bicep curl, and a leg extension. That's not a full body workout. 
You, you look at the exercises. What? Why? Why have you done a study like this? It's almost completely pointless. Yeah. So I know it's easier to track data on those points. I understand that, but still, like you need some accurate. real evidence. Yeah. It's yeah. Not accurate, relevant then. Yeah. Look, that being said, it was a very, very interesting um, comment. Where do you think the fitness industry is going in terms of trends or where it's going to improve in terms of maybe equipment, supplements? or? Yeah, so I think those things are going to be really uh, popular, like, yeah, yeah. like our ring. Yeah. So those things will be really trending by most people. They will get better. Like Those things aren't perfect yet. Like Sometimes they say, you're having a bad day and I break every PR I have in the gym. So I'm yeah. like, probably not, but... But still, so I think those things are really trending. I think mobile apps that have artificial intelligence. So basically, you can fill out, I eat this much food today. Okay, tomorrow you need to compensate it by doing this and this and this, and you will get better results. I think those things will come up in the next 10 years. Uh, I think online training is just growing bigger and bigger because a lot of, like, a lot of personal trainers are more entertainers than actually trainers. And they will get lost with online trainers who are cheaper and actually getting them results. But politely, this is what I say about a lot of people who are personal trainers. They're glorified babysitters for most Yeah. Like, you don't need to count reps for a blind. No, no. In my opinion. Like, you don't need to do that. What you need to do is actually push them harder and make them consistently improve their technique. Yeah. It, 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 well, the word I was going to just teach them to train properly because that's, yeah. that's the and, missing point for a lot of them. Yeah. So, and that's things where I think there's a lot of improvement possible. And because most trainers are actually trying to make it too much fun. Like, I understand fun is an important aspect of giving training, but if people don't get the results, they're going to leave with after three months. Oh, yeah, because it's, it's expensive. Yeah. yeah, and they want to enjoy it, but they also, they'd probably rather be at home with their wife and kids than... Like, I was in Qatar, I was teaching for a, person, a trainer there, and I said, just make the hour, make 15 minutes result-based, and the last 10 minutes, make it just fun. Yeah. Send them home happy. That's all you need. So the first 15 minutes is the most important. Serious. Get the results. 10 minutes of fun. Send them home happy. You'll keep your clients. Yeah. And that's the key, I think, is... And again, it almost comes down to what we were saying earlier. This We talked about training splits. is focusing on quality rather than quantity. So if you get the really important stuff done first... If you just not mess around with your clients, but if you want to just have them do some fun stuff that almost entertains them toward the end, that keeps them happy and jolly, and they leave with endorphins shot yeah. up, then the job's already done by that point anyway. Yeah. Uh, my, my big gripe though with uh, let's stop bitching about PTs, but it's when I see people training clients and they just put them on a treadmill or something like that. I it, like. It, yeah, I'm like. Oh. What I always say is like. A treadmill is fine, but they need to do it before or after the training. On their own. You like, when, when there's a trainer with there, you don't need to stand next to the treadmill. Right. Like, that's a waste of both of our of your time. Yeah. It's a waste of the client's money, and it's a waste of the trainer's time. You could probably do something better. Yeah, 100%. It's, uh, it's completely, completely pointless in that respect. And it's, um, I don't know if it's the same in the Netherlands, but the level of like qualifications and trainings for, for trainings uh, level of training for a lot of pts is very low unfortunately in the uk yeah so actually in the netherlands what like i was building my own personal trainer course yeah and at first i wanted to have like a certification that was actually granted by the government yeah and then i had a discussion with the government and it was actually you're not allowed to teach people how to build a diet plan and you're not allowed to teach people how to do certain exercises that's not allowed by law if you want to have it like signed up by the government, I'm like, how are, I, how are you going to get, get a great PT if you're not allowed to teach that? <laughs> and like, I found that so strange. And I think it's in more countries it's that way. And that's why certain educations are at certain levels. Yeah. Because there are some rules like that. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me at all, to be honest with you. Yeah. So you might want to look up that, how that's in the UK, but that's how it's in the Netherlands. So my, I think my courses aren't signed up by the government. But people still do them because they get results. They actually know how to make a diet plan fit for their client, how to teach them how to adjust it and all that stuff. And they're, otherwise, they're never going to learn that. That's one of those things. Like, we're in a results-based business. The most important thing that actually matters is the clients get the results they're looking for. Yeah. And like, a client comes to you, they only buy certainty from you yeah. to get them the certain results. Like, if you're not being taught how to get the results, you might as well not sell them any service. No, that's completely pointless. It's completely yeah. Would you say that's one of the, the biggest mistakes a lot of trainers make with their clients? That actually focus on the main core value of what people want, which is to get them in shape. I think the biggest fault is being made during the assessment period already. Like really get clear what the client wants to achieve 
and what the route is going to be during the during your try uh, during the time that you spent together to get that results. Almost like map it out. Yeah, and show the client the map. Yeah. So they actually know what to expect. No. I think that's one of the most overlooked parts. Do you have obviously you have a very a quite big team that work with you and a lot of clients. Yeah. Uh, do you have a certain set process that you work with? Uh, with onboarding clients in that respect? Yeah, so the first two weeks, we just look for maintenance calories. Like, it doesn't matter who you are, we're going to figure that out. Based on that, we have a certain goal that you want to hit. Either you want to build muscle, lose weight, get more energy, whatever it is. And we're going to literally map out how your, uh, how your plan is going to look like for the upcoming months. So you know what to expect when and when. So and not always going to be perfect on plan, but at least you know which route we're going. Yeah. And that makes it a lot easier. And that keeps people a lot motivated. Like most trainers just say, okay, we're going to do this workout today. Yeah, but what's the next month? How's it going to look like? You're going to, get, you're going to give them some overview of what you're planning to do. Yeah, you've got to give them uh, like a look into the future of this is where you will be and this is what we're going to do. Yeah, yeah and most people don't know what's able to achieve for them. Yeah. Understand. Like I've had so many people that came to me front, I want a six pack. So first they get the six pack and then I want a bigger chest and then they get a bigger chest and then I want to compete in men's physique because I'm looking really good and then I want to win this show and then I want to be a Dutch national champion and that just keeps on and on and on. Because then like they have the level what think that's possible. They reach that and they go to the next level and next level and next level and that's basically how it goes. For a lot of people there's way more possible than they think. They just need to see that's possible. That's a very interesting statement. I also think that it's very eye-opening for a lot of people when they first start seeing results. Like I had a call yesterday with a new client and he was like, I've never had abs in my life and I don't believe I can do it. And it's like, can, yeah. you, can everyone get abs? And I was like, every single person in the world can do that. It's yeah. whether they're actually willing to commit to the process of doing that and they have to have the self-belief yeah. in themselves that they're going to get there because like you and me both know that our programs work 100% and it's a blueprint to success, but we yeah. can't guarantee that you'll put in the work that we require you to do to get there. Yeah, like everybody knows they need to eat less, exercise more. But doing that consistently over a long period of time, that's a struggle. Yeah. And that's why they basically need coaching to yeah. get that mindset right, to get the habits right to do that, and then they will get results. And also, like, what I find interesting is people are like, oh, I don't need help. And it's like, well, if you look at the elite people in the world in every single field, Tiger Woods has a golf trainer, like, Chris Bumstead will have a train. Everyone who's the best. Like, like what I noticed, even like I work with multiple Mr. Olympias. I work with a lot of world champions in different sports. They don't have just one trainer. They yeah. have multiple trainers. For like the most crazy things, they have a trainer. Like they just like, the only thing they, they, they buy. of a trainer for a crazy thing. Yeah, but like they all just buy speed. Like you could always, you can learn everything yourself if you really wanted to. Like go well, to Google, Google has go, answers for everything. Yeah, if you buy enough books and you read them, you will get really smart. But it takes a lot of time. Like I can show you my book uh, section. I've read a lot of books. Like to get that knowledge, you probably have to invest ten thousand to fifteen thousand hours, or you just can hire me and I will teach you that stuff summarized. Yeah, okay. that's basically what it is. I get you from A to B a lot quicker and probably save you three to four years. Yeah. Like I made so many mistakes that I won't make, let my clients make because I knew what was going wrong. Have you got any example of any of those mistakes you made? Uh, not weighing uh, your oil where you're cooking in and all that stuff. Then I'm like, why am I losing weight? Like maybe because you're losing a lot of oil and butter to make your food and all that stuff. Uh, the wrong way of measuring food. Uh, uh, don't track drinks that you're actually drinking. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. There are no calories in there. Yes, they are. <laughs> what what that stuff? Things, like fruit juices and things like that. Yeah. Like, oh, it's orange juice. It's healthy. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, it adds up. Like, yeah. Massively. Massively. Yeah. Uh, so stuff like that. And I bought a lot of supplements that I would never buy again because they don't work. Yeah. Marketing, marketing bullshit. Yeah. Like, I read a lot of muscular development, flex magazines, all that stuff, because I'm like, yeah, there are the big guys in there, so probably they know what they're doing. Oh, they take this supplement. I need that supplement. No, you don't. <laughs> it's like the old muscle tech ads back in the day used to be the uh, the top ones and everything, because they sponsored all the big big like bodybuilders like Jay Cutler and yeah. Phil Heath, so all the big... The, the Everybody big... bought Celtech. Yeah, yeah I mean. <laughs> I, 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 I remember, like, the orange flavor of it. Yeah, I noticed like fruit punch one that was like yeah, yeah, yeah. so strong that your jaw is like tinkling. Like, <laughs> yeah, they made a lot of money with that product. 
100%. It's interesting that how like a brand like that drops off a cliff quite heavily though, because they were so dominant as probably the number one brand in supplements and they, they yeah. pulled back off in that respect. Yeah, but that's something I will say like, if you want to learn about supplements, if a product is longer on the market for more than 10 years, it probably works yeah. because people that's keep good. buying this stuff. Yeah. If it's new, brand new, you don't know if it works. Like even FDA testing takes a couple months. So the first couple months, you actually don't know what you're getting, if it's good or not. But if people buy it year after year after year, it probably does something. Otherwise, people won't spend their money on it. Yeah. That's probably the safest way to find, figure out if supplements work or not. Do you find, as well, I presume it's the same in the Netherlands as everywhere else, that people have too much of a reliance on trying to look for supplements as a, uh, as a way to yeah, get... Yeah, so I actually can give you a crazy stat that I found. That an average student in the Netherlands spends 150 euros a month on supplements. Really? That's the average student? The average student. Jesus. And I'm like, that's insane. That's a lot of money. I was like, they could probably find a decent online coach for that that would skip them doing the supplements and get them the right training plan and nutrition plan and get more results. But that's the thing. People will go and spend their money on a shiny fat burner product yeah. label rather than someone who can actually teach them, help them. Yeah. So like, when I, that's what one thing I used during my sale course called like, I'm actually going to save you some money because a lot of that stuff you're buying right now, you don't need. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Now, take things back to your business. Obviously, your business has grown very, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, give some people some sort of context. Roughly how many clients do you think you have now or you've worked with over the last few years to your, your business? In total, probably yeah. over 40,000 in total. Yeah, which is astronomical numbers. So yeah. I think pretty much in terms of the Dutch fitness scene, uh, if you're into fitness in Holland, I presume pretty much everyone probably knows who you are. In that yeah, like, like the three trainers, I'm one of those three that probably everybody knows. Yeah, that's good. And I think from your side of things, it's I know like knowing you personally, you, like, you find it incredibly rewarding and you also do a lot of now uh, like training camps one-to-one, which is also something I'm rolling out in May uh, with like the Educate seminars. And I think like what's so interesting that you do is the way you share your knowledge to other people, which yeah. sharing that is like a gift to people for life they have because they actually want people to learn how to train correctly. The amount of progress and results they can get then goes up astronomically. Yeah, what I found us like, especially in my biggest group programs, like what I do is like, I will teach them just as much as a personal training course, basically. Mm-hmm. So they know as much as most trainers do. And what I found is like, I can give them all the knowledge they want. Like most people have no interest in becoming a personal trainer. They right. just want to understand what they're doing. Yeah, it's so I'll, I'll keep the, like the technical knowledge out of there, but like all the basic stuff they need to learn, learn about training and nutrition, they will know. They will be very knowledgeable at the end. And they will come back for that because they're like, I finally understand what I'm doing. And they just renew programs after a program. Even though they get the same knowledge again, they just keep renewing and renewing. Because they're like, yeah, I finally understand what I'm doing. And what I really care about is like, I'm really great at creating before and after pictures. Like I got a folder, literally, I could probably fill like an arena with it, like with how many transformation pictures I've got. But what I also look at is like, it's easy to create a before and after picture, but the after photo after that, that's really important. Like I've seen so many studies about a biggest loser or something like that, a big TV show where people regain or gain more weight back. And I'm like, I don't want my clients doing that. And would you agree that the reason they do that is a lack of education of understanding how they've got to where they are and yeah. perhaps maybe they haven't gone through the right process to get there? Like they don't need to know everything, but they need to know how to create certain habits, mm. how to keep certain habits, what mistakes not to make and where to watch out for. And they don't do that. And they don't change the identity of the person. The big thing. Like, the biggest example that I always give is like, let's say you want to be the rock. Yeah. And you got to think like, I want to be the rock for the next six months. And every decision you make daily is based on what decision the rock would make. Do you think you would look better? Yeah. Yeah, of course. But they don't teach those persons those tactics. Like, to really think like an athlete and make decisions based as an athlete. Something that I say a lot is you behave like the person you want to become. So if you want to yeah. become a world-class fitness athlete, then you need to learn to behave like that. Or if you want to become a world-class business CEO, you need to take the actions that it will take on a daily basis to become that person. That's totally true. And I think too many people are, it's just, it's just laziness. I think like ultimately it all comes down to like what you were saying earlier in terms of how hard you worked with your business. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily laziness. It's more like you have a certain zone which you're comfortable with and to get out of that zone. You probably want to do it yourself, but your surrounding area, the people around you, try to keep you back in. 
like, and that's what happens a lot. What I notice is like a lot of people actually want to change, but the people around them keep them from doing that. Do you, I had that with a, with a call with a client. He's supposed to join up last week and basically his, um, his wife was giving him grief about it because she's very insecure about how she feels about herself. Yeah. Is that something you see as well? That's very common that you get a lot of conflict between partners with insecurities. Yeah. Like I actually should make an affiliate deal with like a divorce lawyer. <laughs> I will make a pretty good commission because like sometimes I will just explain them to them and they figure out like my partner or my wife or my husband is holding me back. Yeah. And that's basically what's going on. And they figure out like where I want to be from now in 10 years, that person is not going to get me there. No. And so, yeah, it's not my job to actually make them go divorced, but sometimes it just, it, it is that way. It's pointing out the obvious because people change as they progress through life and people's goals and ambitions change. Yeah. And some people like have massive ambitions and other people cannot handle that. Yeah. It's, um, sometimes I think people get intimidated by that. Yeah. Like I can give you an example. Like I've got insane ambitions. Like the things that I'm thinking about, most people don't can't even dream about. And my little brother doesn't understand, understand any of it. Like he is lucky that I'm like in my life, I'll probably stay within Europe and that's safe and that's, that's good. And he doesn't even know what's out there. So if I have a conversation with him and I talk a little bit about goal setting and things that I'm thinking that's possible, he will just not follow it. He will go like, you're crazy. Like, so I'm just changed the conversation to a topic that we're both. But don't you find that fascinating? Because obviously you both had the same genetics, come from the same sort of environment that your, your mindsets are so different, if that makes sense. Because me and my brother are exactly the same. Yeah, but I think that's more like what you come in contact with. Uh, the people and, you meet along the way. Yeah. So like, yeah, I got lucky that when I worked at the gym, like even though like the owner of the gym didn't pay commission to all of his, like he accomplished a few things that most people in the life, they, like he had bought a home in Beverly Hills next to Rihanna. Like he lives a lifestyle right now. You cannot even imagine like how crazy that is. But I actually got to see it up close from the person he was to, to who he was. So your mindset expands, even though I cannot do that. I still see that's probably possible. Like I knew his level of IQ, his thinking, his doing. He's not that special compared to everybody else. He just took a relentless action to get there. Mm. And that's probably what expanded my mind. Like there's way more possible than that. And then even like we organized a lot of things on the FIBO, like the biggest expo from fitness in Germany. Yeah. So I got a lot to meet a lot with him. I got to meet a lot of people that actually also were thinking bigger. And that's something I noticed about successful people. They don't talk about the past. They only talk about the future and what's coming up and things they're thinking about. So you're having those conversations with these people and they're talking to you all about those amazing things. And then there is a trainer, like a 16-year-old trainer, listening to all this stuff. But you're like absorbing that. Like- yeah, you're absorbing that environment. And so you started to think bigger. Yeah. And if you don't have that, you're not going to get there. And it is eye-opening. And do you find as well, obviously, um, respectfully, like the Netherlands is a smaller country. Yeah. So I imagine like you have a lot more of that perhaps more small-mindedness than maybe more the UK and obviously definitely more than the US, which I find when I go over there, everyone's so much more uh, up for it and like giving it a go. And like in the US, it's much more like they'd rather you tried and failed. Whereas in the UK, they're like, oh, don't do that. Like, now, that's actually the primary reason that I travel a lot. Yeah. It's like, even like, let's say Vegas. I'm alone in Vegas because literally when I'm in Vegas, I get so motivated. Like yeah. I don't go into the casino. I can just walk to the strip, go yeah. back to my hotel room and do crazy work. Like, those people built this entire hotel room. I couldn't even imagine how much that cost. Yeah. Like, what I'm doing is small things. Like, I might as well get to work. Give you perspective. Yeah. Like, I'm in Qatar, and I'm seeing what kind of crazy buildings they're building for the World Championships that they're having over there. And I'm like, those guys think big. Like, they don't even know how many people are showing up. And they build the most crazy things in the world, and they look insane. Like, you get motivated by that. At least I am. Um, so I find Dubai is very much the same with that, where like you walk around and even just the architecture and the buildings, it's like a, a limitless life where you think like you can just like the, the impossible is possible. You can do anything. Like, like I'm not, remember I was in Dubai and I went up to Burj Khalifa, like the tallest building in the world. Yeah. And we were yeah, there and then dinner. we had dinner at like the one of the top floors. Yeah, yeah, I had dinner there my 30th birthday. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really cool. And then my wife ate and she gets sleepy if she eats a lot because it was good food. So as she goes to the hotel room, she falls asleep. 
I grab my laptop, I work because I get motivated from like seeing everything and I just grind for like a couple hours. That's that's basically how it goes sometimes. But that's uh, that's a prime example, I think. Like you and me are very much the thing the same wavelength for that, because like stuff like that's what, what fires me up and motivates me more. Yeah. When I'm at home in my own little bubble and routine, it doesn't stoke the fire as much as when you travel and you see the possibilities and how big and wide the world is. Yeah, and like even like when I go to a mastermind or a network event or whatever it is, like I meet people like same thing as I met you. We're pretty much the same people. We're motivated. We want to go to the next level. We will work hard. Like the same thing how we are in the gym. Like okay, we'll get to a dumbbell rack and we'll just meet it with what's the biggest dumbbell. Yeah. Like, we want to reach that how, level. How far can you go with this? Yeah. And that's the same thing with business. Like, I'm in a room and I heard everybody speaking. Okay, who's the biggest guy in the room? Like, basically, that's what I'm looking for. Okay, that's the level I need to get to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's all about goal setting, but I know you'll be the same. It's also, it's not even necessarily sometimes achieving the goal. It's the, the journey along the way, which is fun where you, you Yeah, like, even if I achieve a goal, I'm yeah. not even that happy or satisfied no. or whatever. I'm like, what's next? But like, <laughs> that's reality though, because it's like for for me, it's exactly the same. I never, I don't know, it's quite sad. In terms of, I'm never really fulfilled by achieving anything. No, but that's actually the funny thing. I have right. you read the book from Tim Glover, uh, Relentless? No, look, loads of people keep saying I've got the like synopsis of it or the short. Yeah, so basically, he was the trainer of Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, yeah. and they actually have the same thing. Like they win a championship, and I was like, oh, I need to get started because preseason is coming up soon. And they don't even celebrate; they just keep going. But I can understand that hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, like if, if if somebody's listening to this podcast and thinking like, I need to get motivated, buy that book, read it. You will get like read three pages. You will get motivated to work. He's also got a um, incredible interview on YouTube. I can't remember who it's with, but it's very very good. He's a very powerful talker. Yeah, I met him in person in San Diego one time. Like he is intense. What, just one-on-one, he just, like, pulls you in? No, he actually did a speech on stage, and then I went to the bathroom, and I walked out, and I bumped into him. Yeah. And I had a talk with him, and, like, he was giving me some pointers. Okay, okay. Yeah, then you need to wind down, and then you need to hit the gas pedal and stuff like that. So, it was really good. That's, that's an interesting topic, obviously. You, I know, you spend a lot of time on the gas pedal. Do you ever give yourself to what time to wind down a bit? Do you, do you set yourself structure within your day to like have some time like that i try to let's say that like, like, <laughs> like I'll, be, I'll be honest like i probably need to do it more yeah like i even tried like the reason that i got the hour ring is just to get my sleep schedule a little bit better because i will go for months on five hours of sleep and just do crazy amounts of work and what, what time do you go to bed and get up normally so i'll probably go to bed like at 12 and get up at five so yeah. fact, like, you know you're talking about like stuff motivating people making them elevate up my alarm's getting set earlier tomorrow like, <laughs> yeah, even so, the conversation is inspiring me to like push myself see Greg Valentine told me to get up earlier and go over to bed that will be more beneficial but uh, so yeah so that's what I do and that's like in the morning I would get most done because my phone will go crazy when it's get at 9am yeah. because most people wake up and they start the dialing so yes. So I'll get up early and like before 8 a.m. I have done so much work already. So that's one of, but like even late at night, like I notice I get, sometimes I get ideas and then I'm working and I just don't stop working because getting that flow state. Yeah. And I get so productive and I get so many things done. Like I'm super quick behind the computer, but most people cannot even imagine that. Like I can build an entire sales funnel, like opt-in, thank you page, sales page, maybe even four part video series. And thank you, Paige, all in one night. And I shoot all the videos, everything by myself. Like when I got into the state, it's crazy how much I can get done. And so even my wife knows, like, when I'm in the top, just let him go because it will be gold when he's done. That's what she always says. So <laughs> she just let me go. And that's where I'm good at. No, 100%. I think there's a lot of value in that. And obviously, I know that from personal experience also because I think we trained a few times in the US very early. I think we trained legs at like something stupid, 6.30 in the morning, I think, one day or something. Um, but I know you're definitely more of an early bird. Uh, you're always keen for that. And I think a lot of it just comes to making time and prioritizing things. Yeah, and what I notice is, like, I spend a lot of time around successful people, and 
And I notice a lot of people get up early that are very successful. So I model from that. Like a lot of things that I do is actually, I don't copy, but I look at certain things and I model that. So I looked at certain people that were in the situation where like, I would love to be there. Like I cannot copy their products because I'm not them, but some of their habits I can actually copy and model. So I did that and it just worked. Have you got anyone in particular like that you look up to, you try to model specifically? So I looked up a lot to Bedros Korean. Yep. I don't know if you know him. He wrote the Man Up book. Uh, so uh, when I first started, I looked up to Vince Del Monte because when I started as an online trainer, he was in a position of like, I would love to be there. Where he he is the real OG. Yeah, so that's why I hired him. And uh, so I looked up to that. I looked up to Ben for a lot of things, like how he did that and how he structured his day. So I just figured, I looked up a lot to Jason Capital. So I looked up a certain stuff, how does he does things. Like, like for example, I like the way Ben structures his workout before, because Jason Capital had a lot of yoga stuff in that, and I'm not particularly fine. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm not the person to do that stuff. So I just swap certain things in and out from certain different people and just make it like that. What does the perfect morning look like to Frankton Blanken then? So I wake up, uh, I'll, I'll drink about two or three like uh, shaker shake cups, yeah. like probably like two liters before I get started even. Uh, then the first 90 minutes is just everything that makes money, basically. That's what I do, the first 90 minutes. The high value tasks first. Yeah, just what makes me money within 30 days, basically. So I'll finish doing that stuff. And then after that, uh, I'll have my first meal. <laughs> I've got to eat. Then i do some emails, team calls, whatever I need to do. And then I will have my workout because I still keep trying to get six workouts, six workouts in a week. And then I'll have some filming to do for the rest of the day. Like I'm probably in front of a camera about five, six hours a day every day and is that mainly educational content or sales promo or just a bit of everything whatever it is like i'll literally i i don't have it here right now but i'll literally get a list with bullet yeah. points you need to shoot those videos yeah like they just uh, make the title and they let me just film the content with it like that it's not scripted i just do everything on the get-go yeah and i'm really good at it that way yeah i'm exactly the same i was funny i was having a conversation with someone today he's had an afternoon to film as well and um it's one of those things you suddenly, I don't know if you had the same, and the first time you try and film yourself on camera, it's a bit awkward, it's a bit freezy, but then you get to the point with anything where it just becomes autopilot and you can just one yeah. take. Like if I see my first videos on camera, they're it's horrendous. Like, I'm like, really? I still leave them there anyway. But like, yeah, I'm like, I'll leave them there for some people to see like how terrible I actually was yeah. and how good I'm actually right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm not perfect by any chance. But I got really, like, I don't notice a difference anymore if I'm talking to a person and I'm not talking to a camera. Yeah. Like, it's basically the same thing. It's like even us having this conversation here, obviously recording face-to-face, but, like, it doesn't feel like anything to me. It's just a conversation yeah. with friends. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's very, very interesting how your mind progresses and lets those almost insecurities go. Yeah, like, and that's the same thing with standing in front of a big audience. Like, I used to think, like, oh, it's, it's, it's crazy to stand in front of 50 people. Like, I'm sometimes in front of 5,000 people and I don't even notice it anymore. Like, I was wearing, not this way, I was trying another brand for a thing with, and it actually had a heart rate monitor. And my wife actually looked into it, like, before my question, the him, my heart rate went down. She was like, we're in front of 5,000 people. How the hell did you get your heart rate down? I'm like, I'm not nervous. Like, the, breathing techniques or something. <laughs> no, no, actually, what I'm thinking is like, the more people that are in the room, the less questions you're actually going to get. Because most people, people are fearful to stand up in front of a room, so I won't get any questions. You know what? Like people awkward if the room was pretty much empty. There's only like five people there. Yeah, they're gonna ask you everything. <laughs> like that's way harder. It's more personal, intimate then as well. Yeah, so that's actually harder than standing in front of a big room or like even a stadium. If you would do that, it's actually easier because nobody would ask a question in a stadium to you. Yeah, I understand agree with that. Um, last question, Frank. What's the future for you? What do your future plans hold? Obviously, I know your wife's pregnant at the moment, I believe. And Not anymore, unfortunately. Um, so what are the future plans for you at the moment, like business-wise, travel? Travel-wise, uh, I'm going to San Diego to traffic and conversion. I don't know you saying about that. Yeah, so that's one thing. Like, plans for the future. Actually, I'm building it out right now with what's next. So I've got some few ideas, and we're just going to see what I'm actually going to do. 
because the like I'm in a position right now, then actually I can do a lot of things. That's basically the same uh, thing. What do I enjoy the most? That's basically what I'm gonna do. That that's and, that's awesome because I think it comes back to what's your core values of who you are and what yeah. So literally uh, today I signed off uh, that I'm not doing something anymore that actually makes me more than a million a year because I don't enjoy doing it. Yeah, it's just I don't like doing it anymore. You know what? That, that that endears me massively to you as a person because it's again it comes back to like obviously you're incredibly financially successful, but your motives that aren't that that's a byproduct of what you do and you enjoy yeah. and passionate about what you do. Yeah, like if I don't get up and I'm being excited about what I'm doing, I'm not doing it anymore. Like there's so many things I can do that well I make enough money. Like I don't need to make more money. So I'm just really looking forward to like what can I do that actually makes me join and has a big impact on all of people's life? It comes and, back to helping people. Yeah. So that's where I'm just looking for from okay, what I'm gonna do is like I'm gonna do a physical location, I'm gonna do a bigger online brand, maybe I'll go into English market, which you don't, yeah. don't like. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know yet. Yeah, the world world's open to that. Yeah, so I'm looking into a lot of plans right now, but it's hard to make those decisions because that's like basically you're writing a plan that's for the upcoming 10 years. Yeah, so, it's, a big, it's a big commitment though, isn't it? Yeah. It's a big commitment. Like when once I make that decision, I will just go all in and do it. Yeah. But you want to make the right decision. No, 100%. 100%. It's, uh, yeah, that, that decision can have a lot of consequences and actions that you have to then follow through with as well. Yeah. So, making sure on that one yeah um would you have any advice for anyone who is just starting their fitness journey or or starting their own fitness business because obviously you're going to be inspiring people from both aspects of that as a finishing so for a fitness uh journey i would say just stay consistent that's probably the most important thing like there's always the new method or the new shiny way to do certain things just keep going to the gym track your nutrition Go, go to bed on time. Don't try my habits based on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's probably for a fitness person. Like, if you want to grow your business, uh, try to learn a lot about marketing. Like, you don't need more knowledge about training and nutrition than you most most guys think. It's more about the marketing aspect if you want to really want to grow your business. How to communicate? Yeah, copywriting, persuasion, storytelling. That stuff is way more important. Then new and now how to get somebody on three percent body fat. Yeah. Most people just want to lose ten pounds. They yeah. don't want to get to three percent. Um so we'll wrap things up there, Frank. For anyone to find out any more information about you, uh, where's best to reach out to your social media, Facebook, Instagram? Probably Instagram, just my name, Frank and Blunt together. That's yep. probably the easiest route to find me. Awesome. I'll pop that in the uh, podcast notes and I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast thoroughly. Uh, we have a few new spaces open for one-to-one clients working with myself and others at CJ Coaching. So if you guys want to apply for that, hit the link below. And if you enjoyed this with myself and Frank, please drop a five-star review on the podcast. Uh, pleasure as always, Frank, and hopefully we'll see you somewhere around the world soon. Yeah, will do. Cool, baby. Thank you very much. Anytime.